You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 224. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 224. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Yeah. My lurk. Hey, baby girl. How you doing? Pretty darn good. Yeah? Yeah. You're, you're looking mighty fine. Oh, well, thank you. You know. So are you. Well, thank you. Yeah, baby. And hello to our lovely pod people out there. Thrilled to have you for another episode of the Joy Junkie Show. And today is a super hot topic. Something that we've gotten probably, I don't know, six to ten topic submission requests. Oh, wow. Show idea requests. Wow as well as comments in the After Hours Club. If you aren't familiar with what the After Hours Club is, basically I created a place for all pod people, all of the audience, you out there listening, to congregate and talk and discuss things that have come up on the podcast, additional resources. I've created a bunch of additional free content that's only available in that private Facebook group. Yeah. If you want in, all you have to do is go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. It'll redirect you to that Facebook group, and you can come party with us. We always talk about the weekly Would You Rather. I do coupon codes. I do a lot of additional Q and slay, my base, my Q&A, basically, <sighs> every Friday. I would have never got that. We like to slay on Fridays. <laughs> and that would be a great place for you to come and have additional questions answered if things pop up for you during the week while you're listening to the podcast. Awesome. And I noticed that some of the After Hours peeps were discussing like, hey, are, is there another podcast specifically about anxiety attacks or specifically on medication? I need to give a huge, huge warm fuzzy to all of you out there who have suggested this because it's yeah. clearly something you want to hear about. So warm fuzzies all around. Yay! Big warm fuzzy. That's right. All right. Thank you for submitting those, all of you out there who have done that. And we'll we'll be talking all about how to go about dealing with anxiety, dealing with panic attacks, dealing with medications, and how to really set yourself up for success. So before we jump into all that heavy, 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 heavy shit. That's pretty heavy stuff, yeah. Actually, I'm hoping that it creates an air of lightness. I really am. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that would be. Yeah. But you know what we got to do. We got to do a... Would you rather... Yes, yes. The would you rather. All right, so today... On a little lighter note. Yeah. Would you rather always talk in rhyme <laughs> or sing instead of speak? Oh, wow. So basically, do you want to be a singer or a rapper for the rest of your life? Oh, or okay. Or a poet, I guess. Because I didn't, I wasn't thinking that it would be, I was thinking the rhyme would be like cheesy dad jokes. Like, oh, uh, you know, like eye roll every time you talked. <laughs> 
Like, I, I don't no, know. No, it would be like, nevertheless, she persisted. And I kept being... Re- being oh, resisted. Being resisted. Yeah, you'd have to, like, always talk in rhyme. But don't you think, like, if you were at the bank teller and you're like, let me get some fives, I don't have any knives. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's a, if they'd be like, uh, security. Well, you'd have that. You would definitely have that. <laughs> or or what? Or what if you had orange? Or orange would suck. At the end of your sentence, because nothing rhymes with orange. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or if you're at the doctor and you're like, I'm having some trouble with my knees. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of bees. Like, <laughs> oh, please send uh, send me a bill, please. Yeah. I guess you could do that. You'd you'd have your go-tos. But if you were singing. All the time. Yeah. Then, like, what if you're at a funeral or... And you have to give the eulogy? Yeah. Well, I guess you could be like, (laughs) he was so missed. Or he was so loved. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. I'm on board. (laughs) What about a dissertation or something? Or, like, where you're... You you have to, uh, like, be in court. Oh, my gosh. Like, there'd be things... I object. pulled over by a cop. I object, your (laughs) honor. <laughs> Please see exhibit A. Like everything. I'm so sorry, officer. Or like, pardon me. Like you're just pardon like me. you're ex- anytime, <laughs> anytime somebody's in your way. Oh my gosh, what would I do? I gosh, I think it would be hard to take people seriously if they sang all the time, all the time. But I have a friend that sings a lot when she talks, but. Not like, not like full on singing. But you could change whatever genre you were singing. You could change genres, sure. So okay. So if it, so you could go to like the twenties and do something really boppy, or you could go to the fifties and do something a little bit more bluesy. Okay, okay. Or you could like go straight up like nineties gangster rap if you were feeling hardcore. That's only if you go to the rhyme choice. Oh. You can't use that one because that one is in the rhyme. Now you're getting really complicated. Well, you asked I, a lot I of questions. I still think so. I would – ew. I, they weren't a lot of questions. Oh, I do think they? I would still pick rhyming. Yeah. I think I would too. I think, yeah. I yeah. think that's what I would – well, okay. We would love to hear from you because clearly this one is going to need – people are going to have questions about Come this. Come in one. for your appointment and release your – Oh, I said I lost it. Here's some ointment. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a doctor, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Come to your appointment. I'll give you some ointment. Oh, my God. Okay, so we want to hear from you. So go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. Join us in After Hours. We post it every Monday and you can kind of laugh with us and tell us what you would rather can for. Can I add a tiny little note? Fine. Okay. So if you do post, you have to post, whichever one you pick, Okay. you have to pick what genre you would sing in the most or what your go-to rhyme would be. Okay. Like what rhyme you would oh, always Oh, they're going to be so good about this. They're going to come up with really good shit. I want to hear it. All right. Let's hear it. Cool. Well, this was very helpful for my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump in to dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and medication and how that stuff can influence personal growth and personal development. And 
The first thing that I need to throw out there before we dig into any of this is that I am not a doctor. This is all 100% anecdotal, 100% my personal opinion and experience. So anything that you take from this podcast, please know that, that I am not an anxiety professional. I am experienced with it, so I can share you my share with you my opinion, but please honor it as such, not... Don't take it as like, this is what you have to do. Yeah, final doctrine. Exactly. And the first thing that I really wanted to underline before we jump into some tactics and to-do items is to first understand that there is a difference between situational anxiety and chronic anxiety. And they can show up very differently for every single person. Some people have a lot of social anxiety. So it's primarily around other people and being in social situations. Other people, it is primarily around obsessive worry, things like that. So our anxiety will show up very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And for the, for, for the most part, what I'm talking about today is anxiety that is not massively debilitating. I'm not talking about people who are unable to work because of debilitating anxiety and, let's say, OCD. Because there's a lot of disorders that are also tied to anxiety. For instance, if you have OCD, if you have Asperger's or are on the spectrum, you tend to have a lot of anxiety. Fibromyalgia, another one. Exactly. So I don't – I just want to talk about – kind of generalized anxiety disorder and the things that you can do to manage that. Because I don't want to overstep that if you are in a situation where you do have severe OCD, any of these other tendencies that we've been talking about, you really, 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 really need to see a a professional. And sometimes it's a matter of going through a major vetting process to find the right professional for you. I just want you to know that this is not one of those things that's usually easily rectifiable by listening to a podcast with some suggestions. Sure, sure. I did also do, I'm going to put this in the show notes. I was a guest on a gentleman's podcast that is all about anxiety. The entire podcast is about anxiety. So I am going to link to that so you can hear me sounding off, but then you might be able to find some additional resources with him as well. The difference, let's go back to the difference between situational anxiety and chronic anxiety. There is a certain amount of anxiousness that we all feel as humans. I'll give you a couple of examples. Most of us, if we are meeting our boyfriend or girlfriend's parents for the first time, there's an element of of nervousness, right? That's a normal response to a situation that is different than what you're normally engaging in. Other great examples are if you have to deliver a speech at work or you have to say something in front of a crowd, that oftentimes will give anybody anxiety. Going into a job interview, those kind of things are situational anxiety where we almost all experience that same sort of feeling. Sure. It can be, you know, racing heartbeat, a little bit of kind of a cloudy head, maybe sweaty palms. We all respond slightly differently, but we can all relate to that emotion. Now, what I have is chronic anxiety where I battle with that feeling all the damn time. 
And when I am triggered by something or when something kind of arises for me, I stay in that same emotional response of nervousness for a long period of time, Mm. which if you guys are listening to this and going, oh my gosh, that's me, you know that is fucking exhausting. And can lead to other ailments, can lead to being chronically stressed out and then getting sick, things like that. Yeah. I want you to think about, do I have anxiety that is induced by, let's say, I just lost my job and I'm having anxiety right now at age, I don't know, 42, because right now at age 42, I am searching for a job and I do not have one. So in this chapter of my life in October of 2017, I have more anxiety than I do normally. That's situational anxiety. Or if you are just dealing with a loss of a loved one and you are more anxious than you normally are, it's because of the situation of grief. That is very different than chronic anxiety. For me, I can trace back those same anxious responses to things throughout my entire lifetime. Sure, different things like dealing with death or having, you know, struggles in a workplace or things like that exacerbated it for sure, but it was always there. It was always, always there. And the reason why I think this is important to kind of note is the treatment can tend to be different. And it might be something that you talk to a therapist about or a doctor about and say, here's what I'm noticing. And for me, that was the biggest eye-opener for me was that this was a chemical response that I had based off of my chemical makeup from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was wired this way. It wasn't like, oh, you just really need to deal with the trauma that you experienced when you were four, or you really need to d- to process your divorce, or you really none of that. It was this is how you are wired. So for me, it made very much sense to have a medicinal answer to actually use medication. And I talked about that at length in the anxiety podcast that we did ages ago that's been very popular. That will also be linked in the show notes about confessions of a life coach with anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. where I really talk a lot about my personal journey and your journey coming alongside Mm me through that. So I want you to just get really clear about that. It's not for me to say one is treated with medicine and or medication and one is not, because I do think that there's some people who go through situational anxiety like every time I fly. Or I am currently dealing with death where an antidepressant or an anxiety medication may be really helpful for you during that season. When I go to my in-laws. <laughs> right. <No. laughs> every time I see my in-laws. Exactly. Just so kidding. Just kidding, mom. Everybody's, everybody's experience is very different. And you get to find your right answer. So I don't want you to think, okay, medication is only reserved for people with chronic anxiety, where it's a chemical imbalance, let's say. Okay. It can be the solution for a multitude of things. And it can be temporary. For me, medication was not temporary. It is, I've been on it for 15 years. You and I have both said I feel more like who I'm supposed to be. I feel more like myself on medication than off. Yes. For me, it is not a matter of let's eventually wean off of it. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm open to all answers. But what I know right now is I make my job far harder trying to be off of it or weaning myself off of it or whatever. Yeah. So here's the first thing that I want to 
make a note about. And this week was a little more all over the place when I did my notes. And I don't have as many like step one, step two, step three, but more just points that I want you to think about. The first is I want you to really set yourself up for success in a couple of different ways. If you know that you tend to be highly, highly anxious, I want you to start by looking at what are those triggers? Is it social? Is it anytime you know you're going to be around people who you don't know very well? Are those your triggers? Is it workplace related? Is it related to your spouse? Is it anytime somebody asks you a question where you feel like your intellect is being threatened? Okay. And this, you know, I, I do have to say, like, I just appreciate you so much coming along on the ride for this topic because you don't respond the way I do. No, but I, way. I have been with you for 20 years, so I know your style of anxiety. So (laughs) I can relate to you know my flavor. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. So I just I appreciate having your insight too because I I do want to talk about garnering support from from the people in your world as well. All right. So setting yourself up for success. I'll give you an example for me. I know that for the most part, with my medication that I'm on all the time, I am pretty chill. I'm pretty even, you know, it's been stressful as we've moved, but it's been manageable. Yeah. It hasn't been crazy. However, when I fly, I in a plane. I I, I don't know how <laughs> how else I would fly. In a um, helicopter? On the wings of success. Yes. <laughs> on on LSD? I don't know. Yeah, not that. When I know that I need to fly, That is a massive trigger for me. So I need to set myself up for success. And what that means is I have Xanax as an emergency option. Mm. Typically what I do is I take half of a tablet 30 minutes before I fly, knowing that that will help calm me down a little bit. And there's a piece of that that I had a massive panic attack on a plane a few years ago. And when I talked to my doctor about it, I said, I seriously, the last prescription of Xanax that I had, I never refilled it. I never, I think it went bad because I never used it. I didn't have raging panic attacks until I had this, this one came out of the blue while I was flying. So now I know, okay, in order for me to feel safe, and this is something that she told me, she said, even if you don't take it, Even if you don't use it, knowing it's there can sometimes be the comfort that you need. Like, I am prepared if something were to happen. Yeah. That's That's an element of setting yourself up for success. The other piece of this, or another piece I should say, is knowing your supports. If you can have a friend or a family member, a coach, a therapist, someone you can call on If you're majorly anxious and you're having a hard time, because some people will find outlets in different ways. I know for me, something that would always calm down my anxiety was physical exercise. If I could get a workout in, that would oftentimes dissipate the amount of anxiousness that I felt. Yes. Releasing that energy through physical means. Yes. And the only other thing besides that, I'll be really, really honest with you guys, is marijuana was weed. 
that was the only thing that I felt took it down a notch. Now, that is my personal response. I know other people that that gave them more More, anxiety. That's why it's about finding your solution. And you have to experiment. The other thing to add into that equation is that there are so many different types of marijuana. That's right. That, you know, you need to really have somebody that knows what they're talking about to give you, if if this is a medicine you decide to take, to give you a, a strain that applies to your situation. Yes. So just that little caveat. And there's experts on cannabis the way they are, are experts on wine prescription, medication. prescription medication. Right. Or, or anything like yeah, that. wine connoisseurs. There are people who can talk to you about what is happening for you and what might create relief. So another piece of entering into this is to really truly be committed to your healing. When I first entertained the idea of medication. It was it was after I had talked to a therapist about my anxiety. It was after doing some art therapy. It was after doing a couple of other attempts to rectify mm. what I was feeling. Yeah. And I, I talk about this in the other pod, but it got to a point where you were like, babe, medication is next up. Yeah. Like you really need to entertain that. Right. You've tried so many other things. I think this is time to try medication. Yeah. And I think there's an element here of really being committed to finding your coping mechanism, to finding your ways to alleviate triggers, to find ways to set yourself up for success, to find medicinal options or physical options. You are worth finding your solution. But what I see a lot of people do, not just in this category, but in a lot of areas, they try one thing. And they go, I've tried thing. I've tried that. Yeah. I've tried weed. I've mm-hmm. tried medication. I've tried drawing. I've tried acupuncture. And it doesn't work for yeah. me. And it's like maybe that acupuncturist didn't work for you. Gotta maybe there's trying. somebody else who is trained in more modalities besides just Chinese medicine. You know, you can – there are so many opportunities for healing. But what it takes is you being committed to finding the solution. You know, it's just to add to that, in my practice, I have people come to me all the time and say, I have tried everything. Surgery is my only option. And I'm like, okay, so what have you tried? Well, I tried physical therapy and I tried drugs. There's so many other um, things out there for you to try. Wait a minute. Did you try acupuncture? Did you try stretching? Did you try doing that? Da, da, da. And we go through 15 other things. And then they're like, no. And they're like, no, we didn't try that. And I'm like, surgery's <laughs> last option, man. Like... Right. Last option. So really do your due diligence. Don't be lazy about this kind of thing. It doesn't work. And I think it's also a matter of perspective, too, because our inner critic loves to come in and go, see, that doesn't work. See, yeah. see. That's, yeah. For and sure. then we throw in the towel. And a lot of it is about, okay, what is the trajectory of my life look like if I give up on finding a solution for my anxiety? What does that look like? Well, I know what it looks like, and it's fucking painful, and it's likely going to get worse if I experience any additional trauma in my life or don't get a handle on it Mm. versus the opposite. Or I can spend my life actively pursuing my health, actively working on finding solutions for my particular body. And so it can become a journey of self-care instead of this like, oh my gosh, I can't find an answer, da, 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 da. 
And my doctor was so great to help me with this perspective from the beginning. This was, you know, 15 years ago. She said, I really wish that we had a manual saying, here's how Amy's body is going to respond to this or that. And, and she just said, you have to know that with every wrong answer, you're one step closer to the right one. Yay. Amen. And, Good for her. And all of that is, all that is, is a perspective. That's it. Yeah. That is it. So commit to your healing Set yourself up for success. Find your allies. Like I was saying, find your friends. Find support groups on, even on Facebook, you can find anxiety support groups. People who understand your language. Find somebody who is willing to listen to what is going on for you and truly empathize and truly be there for you. Very, very important. We tend to go internally And when we feel like no one else understands, that's typically when we get hopeless. That's when we give up. That's when we get extremely depressed. As you know, a lot of times if you are anxious, it is a kissing cousin, (laughs) which is a gross term. That is a gross term. Depression. Most of the time you will have some element of depression tied in there. If you aren't vocal, if you aren't coming out and searching out your allies, you will isolate and that can further propel that depression and anxiety. Sure. Know your go-to coping mechanism. So here's here's a way to kind of reverse engineer what's happening for you. So typically what happens is we'll be triggered by something. Like I was saying, know what those are for you. Are they social situations? Are they particular people in your life? Whatever it might be, know your triggers. And then what do you tend to go to? Do you tend to overeat? Do you tend to isolate and shut everybody else and become, what is it called, agoraphobic, agoraphobic, uh-huh. where you just don't want to go outside of your house? Right. Now it's perpetuating an, an additional disorder. What are your go-to behaviors? Hmm. Some people, it is excessive spending. Sometimes it's just hiding out behind a computer and social media-ing all damn day for an excessive amounts of time. I'm talking like three, four hours at a time where you are coping with your anxiety in a way that's unhealthy. Another example could even be excessive use of medication and numbing out, excessive use of marijuana, excessive use of wine to calm you down. I have no problem with a nightcap or whatever. I don't think you have to become an alcoholic in order to enjoy like a little something to calm your nerves with wine. But I think it's a fucking slippery slope. And you have to be really, really honest with yourself if you have the ability to entertain moderation. Not everybody's wired for moderation. So you need to really check your addictive behaviors, personalities, and predispositions based yeah. off of your family of origin. Tricky one, because yeah. this is not a free pass for you to just smoke out all the time. This yeah. is not a free pass for you to Xanax it all the time or to drink a shit ton of alcohol. This is about finding the healthiest option for you. So I want you to sort of reverse engineer it. Are there behavioral patterns that you can look at and go, oh, yeah, every time I'm anxious, I overeat. Every time I'm anxious, I drink too much. Every time I'm anxious, I fill in the blank. Yeah. Those now need to be switched up. We need to change your go-to And what I would suggest coming up with is to create a healthy list of go-to behaviors for when you feel anxious. We know that coloring 
now, like uh, with the the whole wave of adult coloring books and all of that stuff can be really helpful in de-escalating an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. or being in a real anxious space, doing things like knitting, even those, uh, what are they called? Mandalas where you're kind of tracing and doing circular motions we even have the little dish of sand where oh, with yeah. a rake yeah, yeah. And where you can like kind of play with the sand to kind of calm down sand your garden. sand garden you with little stones and you just do different, you know, things to calm you down a bit. It can be breathing exercises. It can be simple yoga poses that you can look up like downward facing dog, I believe is something that tends to alleviate anxiety. You can look at what are things I can do, even just if you expel it physically, doing 15 jumping jacks, you know, if you can't do a full-on workout. But what you need to do is create a go-to list of behaviors that you can employ when you're feeling anxious that you know help. And this is also a part of the trial and error process. You might be really anxious and go to coloring and it doesn't help. Or you might be really anxious and realize, you know what, I do need a medication. I need to try a medication. Or maybe I will try a yoga pose. Or maybe for me, it's vocal. I need to talk about it with somebody really quick and just call a best friend and say, I need to get this out of my head. You need to figure out what those are for you. And sometimes that takes a lot of effort And that's where it comes back into play to be really committed to your own healing. So start noticing, what do I tend to turn to? And then what are the things that actually do bring an element of relief that are actually healthy for me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I like that you go, you've said, you know, just as writing a sentence, when I'm anxious, I blank. And then... So you have that list of kind of awareness tools of what your go-tos are and then have a list next to it of things that are options. Yes. Right? Like that's kind of cool. That needs to be a worksheet. It should be. Totally. Yes. And if I wasn't so stressed the fuck out about this move, <laughs> I would make you guys one. So maybe we'll do that in the future. Yeah, that'll be a future one. Or you can make your own. That's true. Yes. Yes. Let's empower them to yes. make their own. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Put you guys to work. Uh, so that, that, this is a huge piece, you know? And so your way of setting yourself up for success might look very different from somebody else's. Another huge element here is really telling people in your life, this is where it's going to be speaking up for yourself shit, telling people in your life exactly what to say to you. Mm -hmm. And this is where you have to get really assertive. You have to let go of any fucking shame and get past that and say exactly what you need. An example for us, I get extremely anxious when we watch television shows that have a lot of uh, tension and escalation and it's like dun 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 and I'm like I feel like I'm going to that's a trigger for me. It's I'm going to crawl out of my skin. I'm not going to have a full-blown panic attack, but it I do have an emotional sensation that happens is uncomfortable. So that's we, why we take anxiety breaks. We take anxiety breaks. And I typically get two anxiety breaks per show. <laughs> and so and funny. usually Mr. Smith's like, really? Right here? It's, uh, and it's like the best part of the show. And, and I'm like, but, I can't take it. But it makes sense that that's the place you want to stop it because that's when it's at the height of its, you know, drama. Yeah. And so he'll just be like, oh, okay, babe. But he's he's so sweet because he knows that – 
his excitement for the movie compared to the relief I really, really need to feel by having an anxiety break isn't the same. Like you can, you can sacrifice that for the relief that it gives me. That's right. And then I just kind of take a moment. I let myself calm down. And then if I need more than two anxiety breaks in a show, I stand up and I move my body. And I jump around and I'll kick my legs and I'll stretch. I'll and I'll stop it for you. I'll just be a little manic on the side. But <laughs> I need an expulsion. I need to get it out of my body. And that's a piece of learning what works for me yeah. and what is helpful for me. Absolutely. Another example is if, if you know, back in the day, I remember you used to think you were being really encouraging to me and you would say, like, babe, you can do this. You can manage this. And that was so infuriating to me because I was like, don't you think I would fucking do that if I could? Don't If I could just calm down, if I could really harness this, don't you think I would? I don't want to behave this way. So I literally had to say to you, here's the words to say to me. I want you to say, hey, babe, I'm so sorry you had a rough day. You'll get it tomorrow. And you were like, fuck, sweet. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, thank, absolutely. Thank you for give, l- giving me a script. I thought I was being supportive, but it just wasn't what you needed to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people, especially the ones who don't also have it, who are very well-meaning in what they say, but it might not be supportive the way you need to be supported. You guys have to be vocal, especially with people who want to support you. It's a totally different thing with people who just want to tell you what to do all day. That's a matter of boundaries. That's a matter matter (laughs) of saying, thank you so much for sharing, but I'd really appreciate it if you didn't bring that up anymore. I'm pursuing other options. That's a matter of boundaries. But, and actually I'm going to link to the boundary pod too. There was another pod that I wanted to link to that I did with my best friend, Andrea, about our sabotaging behaviors. And that might be a helpful pod for you to listen to, to look back at what are some of my go-to behaviors when I am feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. We do them for all sorts of emotions, but yours might be specifically when I'm feeling anxious, not just when I'm feeling sad or et cetera. Right, right, yeah. Have a look at those resources. But again, I cannot stress enough how... You need to tell people what to say. It is not, you're not losing. They don't need to be a mind reader. You don't have anything shameful. And and I would argue this is for everything. This is for telling your mom how to talk to you about your children. Or if, you know, everybody in your life keeps wondering if you're going back to school or not. And it's been so anxiety inducing for you. You need to tell them, hey, Thank you so much for your concern. It's actually been a big struggle for me. I don't, I'm really not ready to talk about it right now, but please know I'll let you know if I do. Sometimes you have to shut down conversations. So it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We happen to be talking about anxiety here. You need to tell those people in your life, please don't say these words. Mm -hmm. Say these words. And say that during a time when you're having a really awesome heart-to-heart. Don't do that when you're screaming and yelling about, why can't you calm down? And yeah. you're going, well, fuck you if I could. Don't don't say then. It's not then that you need to tell them. <laughs> it's over dinner when you're calm, when you're not in the middle of an anxious tirade. That's when you'd be like, that be like. That's, that's when you that's when you be like. That's when you be like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I have a college degree. Wow. <laughs> that's when you Say to your spouse, hey, listen, I've been 
listening to this podcast or I've been really learning more and more about what's been happening for me as far as my anxiety. And I really want to give you some ways to support me because I know you don't operate under this, this same sort of disorder, yeah, which great is great. I'm so glad you don't, but I know that it's probably really frustrating for you to know what to say to me because you don't relate. So are you open to that? Can I tell you some of the things that are hard for me to hear versus some of the things that I would love for you to say? Are mm-hmm. you open and having an awesome dialogue about that? No matter who it is, whether it's anyone in your intimate circle, even a therapist, even a coach. You sure. know, I've had I've had clients say, hey, that word is really triggering for me. Can we avoid it? Sweet, done, of course. Thank you for being assertive. All right, beyond that, let's talk about medication and anxiety attacks. With regards to medication, This is just one option, like I said earlier, and I think we need to view it as such, that there are some people who really manage their anxiety with crystals or being in nature or with marijuana. Medication is also one option, and it's not for everybody. And with all of the options as far as how to handle anxiety, all of them have a multitude of options inside of them. Like right. like we said, you try one medication, there's 50 other ones. You try one strain of marijuana, there's 50 other ones. You try one type of art, there's, you know, hundreds of – that's what you have to be, again, committed to finding your solution, committed to your own healing. And all of those have their own side effects as well. That's right. Right? Like there's always a benefit, but the side effects are there too. That's right. Like, for instance, art. You're doing really – if you're using art – you might come up with some really bad stuff that you got to give to other people. And that's a side effect. <laughs> that your artwork sucks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're well, all beautiful artists. You're all beautiful artists. Yes. Everybody is the best. Okay. So thank you for that, Mr. Smith. Yeah. So, okay. But, yeah, but be aware of your side effects. I do think that that's really important and they will be different depending on the methodology that you choose. I want to talk briefly about anxiety attacks, in particular panic attacks. And the first and foremost is if you can get ahead of them in any way, please do. Yes. What I mean by that is if you are going to be doing something that like, for instance, driving, if you know that driving on the freeway gives you a panic attack, this is a really common one then my God, let's either have somebody else drive, if at all possible, let's take side streets, or let's maybe do a meditation right before you get in the car, or do try to get ahead of it as best as you can. Take care of yourself as best as you can. I have, again, a little process that I go through before I get on a plane, and I am completely at peace with that methodology, and that happens to be a little bit of alcohol, and Xanax, and I sleep my happy ass to wherever I'm going. (laughs) And that, for me, is fantastic. And I'm also not a highly addictive personality. So my Xanax, seriously, (laughs) only gets used for flying. So again, you have to know what are your tendencies, and you have to be really forthright and honest about that. So another piece is your self-talk with panic attacks. Finding a helpful phrase. There's a couple of ways that you can go about this. One of the things to note about a panic attack is that it is not possible to sustain it. You cannot stay in a panic attack for your entire life. They are potent periods of time. They always 
pass, even though they feel literally like you are dying. That is what is happening on a biological response. It is an an overabundance of fear. You are afraid of the current situation. And what that equates in your mind is is death is imminent. We are close to dying at this particular stage. So if you can acknowledge that mentally and go, this is going to pass, this is going to pass, this will not be, this always ends, this will not be forever. One thing that I repeat a lot to myself is I am safe. I am safe. I am not currently in danger. Even though I feel like it, I am not currently in danger. And I will repeat over and over again, I am safe, I am safe, I am safe. What I recently had this experience when I got my septum pierced. This was the closest to a panic attack that I have been in a long, long time where I really had to call upon my mental fortitude <laughs> and I repeated over and over and over to myself, it takes one second. It will be one second. It will be so brief. It will be, you are just nervous because you aren't used to this. You're afraid of the pain. It's not going to be bad. I had to really talk to myself. When I fly, I do the same thing. Unless there's any reason to believe that the plane's going down, I am totally, completely safe. There's no indication that I am not safe. So that for me is really helpful. If you're having rapid heartbeat, you can breathe, focus on your breath. But saying something that acknowledges the temporary status can be so helpful. Hmm. This will pass. This always feels this way, and it always ends. We know how this ends. We know how this ends. And you just allow yourself to ride it out because it cannot sustain. Another thing that they use in cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT uh, therapy, is to rank your level of anxiety on a scale of 1 to 10. So perhaps you are... Just acknowledging the level of the intensity of what you're feeling. So you might be going, oh my God, okay, so right now I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10. This feels like a 10. It still feels like a 10. I can feel my heart beating. It feels like a 10. And I I feel like I might be coming to a 9, but it's still pretty potent. It's still pretty potent. I feel like I'm at a 9. And you can just grade what you're feeling on a level. Because like I said- What does that do? It's a way to mentally distract yourself, okay. but it's also a way to calculate the dissipation of the panic attack. I see. Because like I just said, they always dissipate. You yeah. can't stay at a 10 for the rest of your life. It will all always inevitably come down. So it's an alternative to saying something to yourself or to focus on your breathing. Those are other methodologies. This, w- this is basically like tallying the level of anxiety that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So it just depends what creates the most relief for you. If you feel an element of control by grading your level of anxiety until it comes down to a reasonable level like a 4 or 5 where you can now function, then use that. If it feels really good to work with your breath, do that. If it yeah. feels really good to do tapping or another methodology, sure. do that. If it's a phrase that you say to yourself, so you just have to find a modality that works for you. Is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And again, with regards to panic attacks in particular, if there is any way that you can get ahead of them, do so. Yeah. And, you know, and set yourself up for success and have a worst case scenario. For me, my Xanax is my worst case scenario. I very rarely use it. Again, like I said, when I fly, I call in the big guns. So if you have a situation like 
driving or something like that where you know you really need to call in the big guns, which is I do not want to have a, a panic attack while I'm driving. I am going to ask somebody to drive me somewhere. Because then you start getting really, if you use Xanax, that can make you you know, really sleepy behind the wheel. And that might not be a good alternative for yourself or yeah, another anti-anxiety you know, anxiety medication. Again, this is all my personal experience and the things that I would advocate you continue to search for your solution. I can only tell you what has been helpful for me and what I have seen be helpful for other people. But what I do want you to know is that it is not an oddity. There's nothing wrong with you because there are massive amounts of us who struggle with this. There is no reason to carry shame about it. And you are not alone and you are absolutely worthy of finding your healing, whatever that looks like, but nobody else is going to fight for it. You have to fight for your solution. You have to be the one to tell those people in your life, here's what I need you to say to me. You are going to be the one who has to actively search out what it looks like to set yourself up for success, to Hmm. book those appointments, to try the acupuncture, to try that indica versus that sativa. These are your action steps. Nobody else is going to magically give you a cure. If you believe you are worthy of finding your solution, you absolutely will. You absolutely will. So Hmm. that is my soapbox of the day that I truly believe that that you can find your solution and it's a matter of perseverance and it's a matter of perspective. Well, I think you're a, you're a classic example of that. Like you have done so much. As a matter of fact, you went into the field because yeah. you had that empathy for it. Right. And in itself, this work that you do is a way for you to manage your anxiety. That's right. So, you know, this is you threw yourself into this and make a living at it now, which is amazing. But just watching like from where you came from to where you are now and the tools that you have and the ways that you're able to deal with it are incredible. Thanks, man. Really impressive. Yeah. You know, that that actually brings up another thing that I did want to mention, and that is if you have tried, if you have really, really, truly tried to use a lot of the self-talk in particular tools that we've that that are permeated throughout all of personal D, personal development. Yeah, personal. <laughs> Through all personal D. You're my personal D. <laughs> hey. Hey-oh. Hey-oh. If you've done all of that, I usually see that if self-help or personal growth or whatever doesn't, quote, work for you, it's usually one of two things. It's either you're not actually applying the tools you're just consuming them. You're not really speaking to yourself differently. You're not really changing your belief or there's something chemical going on. Yeah. So I have had a handful of clients and students who have said it feels virtually impossible to use those tools that you're giving me. If that's the case, most of the time there's something chemical going on. And what I want you to know is there's nothing wrong with you there either. Like it's, you if you're going, I've tried solution. to speak kindly to me, myself, and I feel like my, I physically, my mind cannot go that route. Then yeah, there might be a more of a medicinal solution happening there, or at least a therapeutic one versus 
doing it alone with a self-help modality or, you know, being more isolated by listening to a podcast, reading a book, doing a class online, et cetera. It might call for far more intervention. Please take that very, very seriously because I do see a lot of people who are addicted to self-help because they think that it's just the next class or the next person or guru or podcast or book is going to solve their solution when it's actually chemical, when it's actually something else getting in your way. A lot of times what I'll say is it's almost like if you – you got your arm cut off and you're so mad at yourself. Like, why can't I lift weights? Why can't I lift weights? When it's, you are physically not able to lift a weight until you get a prosthetic. Until you get a prosthetic, that muscle is going to fucking atrophy. So you can go all these places searching out the best gym equipment, the best barbells, the best bands to do stretches to build up muscle. But your arm's fucking cut off, dude. Like you have another solution that you need to look for. <laughs> yeah. I hope that metaphor that's, lands. That's fair. Yeah. See it. Because it, it really is. We we don't want – we never want it to be – the. we don't want to be diagnosed with something. We don't yeah. want medicine to be the option. But honey, sometimes that's the victory. That is the fucking win right there. It was for me anyway. All right. So tons to chew on this week. Thanks for hanging in there for a little bit of a lengthier pod. Hope it was helpful for you. Cruise over to After Hours and share what's been going on for you as it relates to this pod. I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss. And thank you again to all of the beautiful audience members who suggested this topic. And yeah, good one. Can't wait to hear from you. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out.